Look at me like a human boy. We have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And this is a podcast where we like to take a look at current movie releases and take a look back at previous movie releases with the loosest of tie-ins and Mm. with Clifford the Big Red Dog stomping his way into theaters. We decided to go try to find a good boy. We tried to find a good boy. Uh, And instead, what we did find was a non-dog-based movie that is sharing the namesake Clifford, the 1994 black comedy directed by Paul uh, Flaherty and starring Martin Short, Charles Grodin, and Mary Steinberg. Steinburgen? What did I say? Mary Steinberg. Burton. Mrs. Doc Brown. Thank you. Spoiler alert. (laughs) What? That's the end of the trilogy. What are you doing? So... If you haven't heard of this movie, we have so much in common right now. Yeah. But Grayson, well, I Yeah. Yeah, this this was <laughs> This is this this was me. I got a, I got a lot of memories with this movie. Um but we can we can get to that in a bit. Let's let's crack this open cuz I'm assuming most people have not seen it or if they did, they didn't realize that's what this was. <laughs> yeah. So this movie is a movie that has a a very interesting history and so i'll try to start it as far back as we need to uh so this movie was originally conceived as a comedic version of uh the 1956 horror movie bad seed did you ever see that movie mm, no i know enough about i um did i read the play i you know i don't want to i don't want to sound hoity torty here but i'm pretty i'm pretty sure i read the play <laughs> That's the best way to see this movie. Just mm-hmm. take it and read the play. So um, it is a, a horror movie. It is based on the play. Uh, and it's essentially. That's what I read. <laughs> it, if you've ever seen uh, in recent time that they, they released a movie called The Orphan. Um, there are there are similar themes to it. But basically uh, it was the, pr- the premise of that movie is this woman adopts this child into their home and just a lot of murdery things start happening and so the whole uh it is calling to question the whole nature versus nurture because the child's parents were like a serial killer or something like that and so like oh well is this child just inherently going to be a murderer or is it like or can this very lovely woman kind of nurture her to be good uh, and because it's a 1956 horror movie, I think I'm pretty sure you know how that ends up. So the mm. people who uh, saw this movie, uh, the writers, uh, co-writer Stephen Campman, thought that that movie was hilarious. And they wanted to do a comedy version of Bad Seed. However, uh, like most uh, Hollywood problems, there was another bun in the oven. So the movie Problem Child, uh, the film series from the 1990s, kind of already took the steam of that that premise of like, you just have this child who is just awful, just the worst. Uh, And so what they decided to do is 
pivot because originally for Clifford, they wanted to have a child actor. But since Problem Child was out and people would be like, wait, you're just doing Problem Child. Of course, their thought, get Martin Short to play a child. I didn't realize that it wasn't the plan for an adult man to to play Clifford because it it feels very much in line of like the clumps, right? Where they're like, hey, just play all these parts. Uh, But, you know, if you got to have an adult play a child, Martin Short is such a great choice. Absolutely. And so they, they originally this movie was shot in 1990 and it was shelved for several years partly due to uh orion pictures uh financial troubles but also because this movie was not received very well (laughs) Uh, in fact the framing device uh of clifford as an elderly priest was added after test screenings Uh, (laughs) i was so i were i did not remember that bookend or that this was told so the movie starts in the year 2050 Yes. Like in the future, and then this is all retrospect, but I guess that's so that you like him because he's a priest? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and because originally the film ended with Clifford getting on another plane with his parents only to parachute out of it, presumably to return to Dinosaur World. Uh, so... Uh, so it wasn't received well, and also it went through so many rewrites. The original... Writers of the movie hated it so much so that they underwent pen names for the movie. Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, they don't have writing credit for this movie. It's like. I think they're being pretty hard on themselves. Uh, But, you know, what a great choice to try to soften it up with the pre. I mean, if you didn't have the priest bookends, you wouldn't have had Ben Savage in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And no one's going to be upset at having more Ben Savage in the movie. So uh, Stephen Catman, uh, his alias was Bobby Von Hayes. That was his credit. That sounds like a real name. Oh, man. And so that is how that movie happened. Uh, And so that leads us to the 1994 release of... This movie, I'm going to give you a quick synopsis, opens up in the year 2025, or not 2025, plus 25, 2050, uh, and we're introduced to Roger, a 10-year-old Catholic schoolboy, and he had just blown up the school gym because of a personal grievance. Elderly priest uh, Clifford Daniels, played by Martin Short, catches up with him and tries to convince him to change his way. And so he flashes back to 1990 when Clifford was a 10-year-old boy troublemaker, and he has a personal grievance, too. He wants to visit Dinosaur World, a theme park located in California. Instead, his parents book airplane tickets to Hawaii. But Clifford finds a way to visit California anyway, because, like dinosaurs, Clifford always finds a way. Uh, And antics ensue. And then we have the movie that is set before us. They had a t- uh, almost $20 million budget to work on this movie. In theaters, this film only made $7.4 million. Well, that's a lot less. Yes. That, that is uh, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, Robert Ebert gave the film a half star. Um, he said, this movie is so odd. It's almost worth seeing just because we'll never see anything like it again. 
I hope, end quote. And Gene Siskel uh, gave the movie two thumbs down. And, and then Ebert continued, like, Short looks so weird that there's never a moment where you can stop gawking at him long enough for the character to gather up any momentum. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and so, and, and Martin Short understands why the movie didn't do well, but he still considers this one of his favorite personal works. So, yeah, that's the thing too. I mean, you watch, uh, only murders in the building yeah. now, and he brings the same kind of energy now that he brought back then. I think it's just that classic Martin Short yeah. feel everything from, uh, yeah, three amigos, right. To, Again, now, I just, he has not lost it. And this is um, a, a great vehicle for his energy to be bottled up in this maniacal child. Absolutely. And I, I do just have to put this out there because it was such a fun read. Uh, there is an article uh, called Look at Me Like a Human Boy, an oral history of Clifford by a vulture. Uh, and they interview the writers, including um, the the kid who the m- movie was named after, the writer's neighbor's kid. Uh, so he had a kid and they interview him. And it's just it's a good read. And it's just this really extensive interview about the production of it. And I'll just I'll leave you with this quote. Uh, with uh, Stephen Kampman. You're the first person I've talked to about this at all. And not because I'm sensitive. It's just there's there's no reason to discuss it. No one has ever approached me <laughs> about the making of the movie. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's, it's a good read. We will, we will leave mm. a link to that in the show notes as well as our socials. We are at Flashback Flicks. Uh, that's fantastic and uh yeah I, I i again i think they're being really hard on themselves i think that they couldn't imagine some of the nonsense that would be made in the future um otherwise be like no that's all right weird is weird is fine weird is weird uh like even the illustrations at the beginning of the movie just the credit sequence feels a little bit like an 80s holdover but it gives you a really good insight into clifford's mind it's he's like going through all of these different genres and writing a dinosaur in all of them. Yep. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the release came out and then that rewrites and all that. Ricky, let me, let me tell you this. Hmm. Um, and this will broach a little bit into just my own memory of the movie. Cause I did watch this growing up. Uh, and uh, for years, my family would quote this movie. Like this was, this was a, a how family film. Uh, but when I rewatched it this week for this episode, I realized there was a scene that was very intentionally cut out from this movie. Oh, no way. Because uh, we I watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, same sponsor. Yeah. No, we don't have not a sponsor. So they don't need they don't need more <laughs> sponsors. You're aware, right? You've heard of Amazon. Yeah. All right. More people are aware of Amazon than the actual Amazon <laughs> rainforest at this point. So I don't even think Amazon is really aware that this movie is even on their servers. Like, well, the what? When did what? we buy that? When did that happen? Who? Uh, anyway, the, a scene was cut out. Um, and I'm curious, Ricky, mm-hmm. how this played uh, when you're watching it. it. It's within like the first 10 minutes of the movie. 
you know, they land the plane in L.A. because Stefan has Stefan the dinosaur has presumably caused a problem. Uh, right, right. Which you know, if you like, we assume haven't seen the movie. Stefan is a toy dinosaur that Clifford carries around and blames for all of his problems um, or his bad behavior. So anyway, they land in in Los Angeles and the there. <laughs> there's a scene where he gets in trouble with Richard kind, who's his father for uh, having a Walkman, right? He has this like listening device. So Ricky in, in the the movie that you saw, Mm -hmm. they don't justify how he got that. Right. He asks like, how did you get that? Did you steal this? He yells at him and the woman's like, don't yell at that sweet child. Right. Yeah, yeah, he said like, oh, well, he says like, oh, I got it from a like a priest or something, like a, a, a kindly old someone like that. Like they, they, it's just like what he says. Yeah, because he lies like crazy through the yeah. whole thing. The way he actually got that, and you'll understand why they cut it in the year twenty twenty one, is he goes around the airport with a sign saying something to the effect of. I'm deaf, anything helps, please give me money. And so he pretends to be deaf so that he can con people out of his cash. Talk about like just making the character immediately not likable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But then the joke was that he was a you know, in the minds of everyone contributing, he was a he was a oh. deaf child that then bought a Walkman was like the thing. And that they Got would t- but even still, that's why the woman defends him like that, being like, he's just a sweet child. Got he just it. wants to. Yeah. So I was talking. I was like, I wonder how. Yeah, that's just like a, a moment that just had to get spliced together yeah. to make it work. And I totally get the edit. But I remember distinctly because even as a kid, I was like, oh, that's awful. <laughs> like I was like, well, that's, just, that's so wrong. Oh, that, that's not allowed. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's gone. That's definitely gone. Yeah, there. So after, so I watched the movie and then did the research, which is how I approach most of the movies that we I do. You don't want spoilers. <laughs> and so, upon knowing that there were several re-edits, I'm like, that makes sense, especially for the ending, because the ending just kind of happens very abruptly. Like, yeah. like he ride, he rides, uh, he has his confrontation with his uncle, and then his uncle's like, well, just. Like, come with me or don't. Um, and that was kind of... It, it, then the voiceover starts, and then he's like, and then we were better. I was like, uh, oh, oh, I guess the movie's over now. And so I I could see now why so many more of the edits kind of make sense. Because I, I think that this was... Uh, did you ever see What About Bob? Oh, yeah. So I... I Watch what about Bob? It's one of my wife's like favorite movies. Like that's the movie that her family quotes and watches all the time. And I think that that's kind of like the the dynamic that they wanted. But Clifford's just not likable ever. Like period. Which and and I think that that's the big challenge with the movie is like it completely rides on this unlikable character. However, I. I laughed so hard throughout the the scene between between Clifford and his uncle 
uh, Uncle Martin, and I he's like, just look look like a human, just look like a human, <laughs> look at me like a human boy. I lost it, and so I like I think that that pit that turning point because I think you are supposed to be you're supposed to be on board with Uncle Martin uh, at like how awful and just how surprisingly maniacal this kid is. Um, and I think at that point in time, it just became way more fun for me. But I could totally see why, you know, this wasn't particularly people's cup of tea, just because he just seemed to ha- just be so just hell-bent on mischief and pain, <laughs> which, yeah, is, which, which is tough. It, yeah, it was... <laughs> Because it's tough to do that, especially like when you do want to have like, and and that's why they made him a priest in the beginning of like, oh, I used to be like you. Like, I think that that was a, it was an interesting choice for them to to make. Uh, But ultimately, I do think that it kind of made it work better for them because it would have been nicer to see him kind of come through the other side throughout the movie instead of just like bookends like, well, it ends up being fine. Uh, so I, I just think that it, it could have benefited uh, if that was their original intent. But yeah. uh, but overall, I, I thought it was very entertaining. And I, and I had some I had several actual laughs just from Martin Short's performance of like him being a 10 year old kid uh, when he was like 37 at the time. Yeah, it, it's um, it's tough because you assume that you're supposed to be rooting for Clifford, but you're really not, uh, you know, out of any of them. I think the uncle becomes the more empathy because you feel the same frustration that he does through a lot of it. So yeah, his reactions, I had the same. So that is a change from when I watched it as a kid, when I watched it as a kid, I thought Clifford was hilarious. Like Dennis, the menace. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, he can get away with it. Uh, what a guy! Uh, now that I watch it now, I'm like that kid is terrible. Yeah, and I feel so bad for that uncle, um, even though he makes his own mistakes throughout the whole thing. But um, yeah, my perspective has definitely changed watching it then to watching it now. Yeah, and I was I I mean I'm telling you like Charles Grodin, I didn't realize that he was the same dad from Beethoven. Beethoven, Th- That's yeah. what he, I know him the most from. He, yeah, he made a lot of uh, money playing very annoyed characters. <laughs> he did such a great job throughout the, like, really grounding this movie. Uh, and, and well, Midnight oh, Run is one of the greats, and, yeah, I mean, he's just everything he pops up in. Fantastic. When we review Gigli, uh and, and you know where this is going when... I am quoting Gigli. I actually don't. I can't. Uh, but so uh, there is a, a scene with. Um, is it a Chris? Is it the walk on walk on walk and walk on walk in the hoo ha? Uh, oh, Al Pacino. Thank you, Pacino. So there's a, there's a moment in out where Al Pacino is giving this monologue, and it, it, and in that movie, I'm like, oh my goodness, like. I totally understand why he signed on for this movie because this scene is an, Mm. it's an amazing scene and any actor would love to be able to just be like, yeah, like if you completely cut my moment away from the rest of this movie, you look at this scene and it's magical. It's like brilliant. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, 
people don't need to see the context of the rest of the story. They just need to see the performance of that scene. Uh, and so from that moment, I'm like, I see why people do different projects, whether or not uh, the entirety of the project makes a whole lot of sense. You know, if it, if there's something in there for the actor and a challenge or uh, a point of interest that they're going to jump on board. And so that being said, there's so many great comedic moments from the entire cast. I lost it when Mary Steenburgen was like taking off the necklace and keeping the straightest of faces. She's like, we are. I was just, and it didn't cut away from her. They just held on her. She was just it's like, I'm going to get it off. And what is this made of? Like I, that moment just had me just dying laughing. And there, there are just so many fun comedic moments for all of these actors and it's just it's a it's a fun movie that has so many funny moments uh and i and i just think it uh yeah it just wasn't it wasn't the right time for it or the right yeah. iteration even with the writers saying this is nothing like the movie we wrote put someone else's name on it the bad seed connection makes a lot of sense yeah um they kind of motivates all of his bad behavior so yeah I I loved this movie as a kid. I really did. I I had such fond memories of it, and I still you know like it. I, I think it's but my rea- my my reaction as a kid. Um, that's something that I don't think I can replicate as an adult. <laughs> Just be like, he's a bad kid. He's a bad kid. But at least he's a priest. <laughs> at least, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really liked Uncle Martin gives uh, Clifford everything he wanted. Um, everything short of launching him out of a head cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon is part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. I do think that there is an interesting uh, level of head cannon just with the whole dinosaur world um, yeah. theme park. Uh, mm-hmm. mainly being that uh, this exists in the Jurassic Park universe. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's like, you know, they, because it, it, this is the competing theme park that <laughs> they are, because they're like, this is going to be the world's greatest dinosaur theme park because dinosaur world is so, like, kids are willing to commit federal and and state crimes to be able to get to this place. And so the only thing to top it is with real dinosaurs. So uh, that's my headcanon. Yeah. And I could see them, uh, you know, how in Jurassic park, they had Newman Uh (laughs) Wayne Knight's character. Uh, Yeah. yeah. They had, they had him. um, I'm blanking on the character name, but like the, the corporate espionage that was happening. Right. So what if he had been successful? Where would those little embryos have gone? Um, could have gone to a rival like this, like what you're saying. And um, no one would re- suspect if uh, a kid was the one who did it, right? Uh-huh. So they would <laughs> b- yeah. bring in this bad kid to to steal the dinosaur stuff. Um but I, I totally agree. I think this is in the Jurassic Park world. And I think what we're seeing here, especially in the bookends, is a sanctuary, uh, like bird box style, really. Oh, so, yeah. 
So the the Catholic school isn't really just a Catholic school. It is like one of the last holdouts of humanity, um, and which is why they're pretty desensitized to violence, right? Like yeah. Ben Savage characters blew up a, a gymnasium, and they're like, mm, "But you should stay." Um, yeah. And so I think they live in this very post-apocalyptic world, and they make a lot of references to it as well. Yeah. They, they say like uh, at the time the city was known as Los Angeles. So something major has happened to Los Angeles, presumably more than just a rebranding. Yeah. Um, so if the contraband dinosaurs had broken out and torn down the city, that would make sense. Um, going back to Jurassic Park, they also they make a reference uh, to call out the expression "out of the blue" that that's not really right. used anymore. Uh-huh. And as we all know, one of the most famous raptors from Jurassic World is blue. Yes. So you just wouldn't use that for it. It would not be appropriate or sensitive yeah. to continue to use such a flippant use of the word "blue." Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was that was mostly it. Something about the mass transit I thought was really interesting. Maybe oh yeah, that kind of facilitated the downfall but you definitely get the sense that something terrible happened to los angeles and it was probably clifford's fault um <laughs> for sure and it was also dinosaur related because the damage they do to dinosaur world at the end is substantial yeah. you just extrapolate that to the city now that was that was my headcanon but i did have just a nugget of of a totally different headcanon and that's the idea that um, Martin Short's character of Clifford is actually an adaptation, not of Bad Seed, but uh, Pinocchio. He is <laughs> such okay. a, a a lying liar through this thing. Oh, and the 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 more he lies, the more he separates himself from humanity, which is why Charles Grodin, Uncle Martin, has no choice but to say, "Look at me like a human boy." <laughs> Like, oh, it's such a great, hilarious line. But what if that's more informative? Like, wow. look at me like a human boy. Um, and he's trying to teach him what it is to be a human. And it would wow. also explain the fascination because it doesn't seem like Clifford knows a lot about actual dinosaurs. Right. Right. He's obsessed with the concept of dinosaur world, uh, which is when we get there completely made up of puppets animatronics yeah and feels very similar to like the the pinocchio place that where they go and they, there's like right. the performances and all that kind of stuff and they get yeah. swallowed up just like yeah so there's a lot of allegorical connections uh allusions i just threw the word allegorical out there and it didn't feel right in my mouth <laughs> but we'll keep moving um and uh, yeah, I was like, well, yeah, maybe he explains why he's like a little, little kid. And then I took it one step too far, and that was that old Clifford is actually then Geppetto, who had made a young Clifford, oh. and this was the story. And if he could make one little puppet boy, what's to keep him from making hundreds and just surrounding himself? With these little puppet children in this community, wow. where he seems to be the only adult and priest. Wow. So, yeah, 
Oh, that's pretty, good. pretty dark. Oh, he just surrounded himself with little little puppet children of his own making. Grayson, here's the thing: it's a dark comedy. I also mm. have a dark lead head cannon, uh, and I and I like to thank uh, uh, Stefan for doing the real heavy lifting of this. <laughs> Clifford's got The Shining. Ah, uh, yeah, mm. he's got the touch. A little uh, bit of the red rum. Oh yeah, yeah. and so. Headcanon wise, if they would have done that and basically <laughs> that like we're going to make a a comedy kind of like what they did with scary movie where they essentially just like, have you ever noticed that like all these scary movies have like these really creepy kids who seem to have like this unnatural obsession with chaos and no one bats an eye. Let's make that. Uh, and so they kind of pull from all these different types of movies like, yeah, just watch a. Uh, just watch this demon child for a little bit and just all these things go awry. Um, I think that that would have been uh, really interesting for them to really lean into that. Uh, but I guess that's more of a recast remake, but head cannon. Stefan's a ghost that lives in the dinosaur. Yeah. It's like Tony. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk to you about recasts and remakes. Recast remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Listen, I just, I really, I would love for Martin Short to do this. Could still do it. I could still do it. Uh, because I was getting so such a big uh, like Steve Martin type uh performance from Charles Grodin. Like he, he just had like certain facial expressions. I'm like, Oh, this. Yeah. And so I would, yeah, love- they get compared pretty frequently. Um, so yeah, that would be a good matchup. And so, I mean, I would love to see a version of that, uh, where it's that, but for them to do it, uh, <laughs> Gemini man style, uh, or little man. Do you remember that random Wayne's brothers movie called little man? Oh yeah. The babies. Yeah. 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 I would, I, I would watch that. I think that that would be unsettling enough to really, uh, let people yeah. <laughs> have you get people to theaters to see something of, of pure spectacle. I think that that would be great, but I also think I want them to really lean in to, um, the original premise, which is a comedy version of Bad Seed. Uh, I would love for it to be like in black and white, uh, like the original movie. Uh, and it just it it almost follows the movie beat for beat, but it's kind of like a, a, what they did with Young Frankenstein. Uh, I, I would just love to see them to really approach that in, in that way. I think that that would be so much fun. I... I totally agree, and I think uh, the sound cues could help a lot on this. So yeah. the concept of if they were make, making it today, I think the gimmick would be not just the child, but that you made it like an early 90s comedy. But every time he starts to lock into that darkness, that shining uh-huh. starts coming through, Yeah, when he looks away and he – yeah, he – that's when you really lean into the late eighties, early nineties horror tropes, like flip the genre immediately. And you're like, this is a different, like, and so that contrast stylistically, I think would be really fun. You know what you just created in my brain, Grayson, 
they do they do Clifford a la WandaVision. Oh and they, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. do they literally jump genres and eras and styles with each episode, but it's all telling one story. That would be that would be great. Yeah. I like that. Hmm. Hmm. hmm, hmm. Yeah. I uh for my recasting, I I think at this point, sure, maybe they didn't intend for it to be an adult man playing a child but i think that you have to for yes moving forward uh so jack mcbrayer uh, from 30 rock <laughs> yeah. as clifford uh the innocence <laughs> but the darkness um for mary steenburgen's character at zoe de chanel yeah uh but i think for charles groden's character of uncle martin uh david harbour because he's another actor who has made a lot of oh, yes. money being annoyed, especially at kids. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I just want to see David Harbour yelling at Jack McBrayer. And that's that's worth at least seven and a half million dollars. Absolutely. To me. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Don't spend more than that. Not more. But because no. uh, I think that's probably what you'll what you'll get back. But uh i i love david harbour in everything like literally there's never been something where i'm like man i don't know david harbour like <laughs> he just consistently delivers so i feel like if there if this is such a challenge to remake and reboot and all that you gotta hedge your bets yeah get the harbour man in there absolutely i also for the the you mentioned the ending how how abruptly it ends i think you know, you take out the the priest stuff. I think you just gotta work your way through uh, Clifford, how he is, and the kid in the moment without that safety net of well, he's gonna be a priest. Because um, I think a lot of the tension is, and I'm not saying this is like a fun thing, but I think a lot of the tension would be without that flash forward. Is Charles Grodin going to like kill this kid? Right? right. Like he he is so angry at Clifford that I think that element of danger and that this isn't like a fun reminiscence remin is allegorical is going <laughs> to uh I think that takes some of the the pressure out of it. So yeah. keep it in the moment, but then also that allows you to flash forward at the end to have Clifford as an old man. And I just want him verbatim to do the no country for old men speech that Tommy <laughs> Lee Jones does for the final scene and just have it in. Cause it's like, why not compared to what we have? Why not? <laughs> and roll credits. Oh, that would be, that would be great. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Th yes, please. And thank you. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. All right, now we're going to go into the final part of the show where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the non-dog Clifford movie? <laughs> non-dog Clifford? I recommend Clifford completely for the actors. Yeah. Um, right? So, the performances here, you know, we, we've talked a little bit on the podcast, but a lot, just personally, you and I, about recasting and remake in the the sense of how movies really do live and die based on casting, how it changes so much. 
movies are made three times, you know, in the writing, the production, and the editing. But the acting of it in, during that production phase is so crucial. You, the, to me, the easiest way to internalize how important casting is is when I learned that uh, Tom Cruise was like up for Iron Man, right? Like how different would that have made everything? It's like, sure, that would have been its own thing, but uh, you know, it's it's the work of Robert Downey Jr. that was so integral to the success same kind of thing with here like to to recast any of these actors like as it was made at that time is so difficult and i feel like really just would have done nothing i saw it was like 13 percent on rotten tomatoes that seems low <laughs> but i feel like it would have been even lower without the tremendous performance and work that these actors did. And similarly to what you're talking about with Geely, where you get that one scene and you're like, yeah, this is going to be great. Uh, the actors truly have that sense of believing this is going to be great. And like I said, as a kid, it was, it absolutely was as an adult. It's just weird enough to work for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Like it feels like an experiment. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I, for the bizarre, you want to see something different? Like, like uh, Siskel and Ebert said, you, yeah. you, you're not going to see it again. You're not. Uh, Amazon prime. Uh, if, if your phone or computer is the type of phone or computer that can get Amazon, then uh, use it to look up. Clifford and just it's an hour and a half um I mean it it used to be like two minutes longer now it's an hour and a half <laughs> on Amazon so just uh, take a look at it and um ultimately at the end of the day it is a simple character comedy that has high stakes action especially in the finale and so it's able to cross those lines and play with time and just make really weird one-off comments about how Los Angeles isn't called Los Angeles anymore <laughs> and never address it. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the kind of movie this is. And if that aligns with your sensibilities, well, then I recommend that you see Clifford, the non-dog movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely recommend this movie for very similar reasons. Martin Short I realize um, was, I mean, and, and I don't mean to say this in detrimentally to Martin Short because I'm not as familiar with his work, but I know that him and Mike Myers walked very similar mm. career paths with playing multiple characters and having a very particular physical and facial sense of humor. Uh, and so I just, it was just so much fun to be able to see Martin Short be able to shine and lend himself because i've seen a couple of different iterations of martin short's comedy uh some to the point where i didn't even know it was martin short like uh the like jiminy glick jiminy glick i did not know for years i'm like oh this this guy really just gets around hollywood and makes enemies and i He's so I connected didn't know it was martin short until like until like within the last five years, I am sad to wow. admit. Uh, but it was it's good to see these kinds of vehicles that can be driven. Like the fact that someone's like, "Oh, well, we we got to get someone 
to basically play a kid this whole movie and Martin Short is on the pun usually always intended uh, on he made the short list uh and he's on there because he can deliver it is an absolutely bizarre movie it does like it it shouldn't work as well as it does uh and some people tell you it doesn't but i laughed so hard <laughs> some say it shouldn't work as well as it does and others say it shouldn't be as much as it is <laughs> that's pretty much it Let's start writing that on all, all my yearbooks. Uh, big verbs in these sentences. <laughs> but it, I just, I just laughed so much throughout this movie, uh, and, and for less, and and for lesser movies, I have it, uh, and so I, I definitely think it's worth, uh, worth a watch to just see this experiment go forward and and see what comedy can be because i can totally see like the lonely island crew taking on this type of movie and it be uh whether people uh whether it is financially successful or not people would be quoting that movie for years to come yeah i feel like you could just say it like a hot rod is pretty close if they had if they hadn't made it that he was grown up, they could just said he's a middle schooler, and yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, you're right. right. <laughs> he's a middle schooler." <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh. So. So yeah, that is why I recommend the non-dog Clifford movie. And that is our review of the 1994 movie Clifford. If you if you saw Clifford, man, we we need to. Let's have some deep conversations about it over on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks, and it would mean so much to us if you could leave a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice uh, on a scale of, of one to five. Um, I would say hu- human human boy looks. Look at me like human, a human boy. Our scale, our rating system is human boy looks. Okay, I hear. I it, don't know if I can get behind I, that. That you know, we've I, done some. Mm. Okay, on a on a Ooh. scale of one to five, dinosaur. Yeah, dinosaur toys. Yeah, dinosaur toys. Yeah, shiny Not actual dinosaur dinosaurs because that yeah. will destroy L.A. Yeah, how many dinosaurs do you want? To uh, fill L.A. to fulfill the prophecy that this movie has laid out. Uh, five. <laughs> it's five. Also, I'm I'm curious. You know, Ricky, we we've been talking about expanding the offerings of the podcast and flashback flicks. If you're listening and you're this far into this particular episode, well, then thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, you you are the core of what makes this possible clearly so what would you like to see would you like to see videos from us would you like a a newsletter uh we're curious what's what's worth it i think is what we're if we were to invest our time in something additional to the podcast what do you what do you want what do you you want yeah like let's know literally uh, it could be anything it could be more obscure movies like this and we yeah. can deliver on that we really can happily yeah if you're you know if, 
if you're the kind of person where like, yeah, the weirder, the better, more of the dark man stuff. Uh, yeah, we can do that. We are here for we, you. We don't have to go back to reviewing Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> we really do have such a large uh, swing on on the movie choices here. Yeah. But um, I'd say some of it, some of it comes down to lack of planning. <laughs> um, I'd say a lot of it is just winging it. I'd yeah. say most of it is due to lack of planning, but also just our willingness to find such an obscure connection. I was sold as soon as you told me there's a movie named Clifford. I'm like, I'm there. yeah, whatever it is. When that truly is what flashback flicks is like the flashback element. We try to pick movies that mean something to us or, you know, means a lot to other people. Um, Dark man excluded, (laughs) (laughs) which is why it is what it is. Um, Even more so with revenge of Durant or whatever that second one was called. Still got that third one in our pocket. Still got that third one. I, I could have sworn we were going to end this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Thanksgiving's here, and there are not a lot of Thanksgiving movies, but we are going to go back for seconds. Uh, Yeah, it kind of worked. With the 1995 (laughs) film Home for the Holidays, directed by Jodie Foster. Yeah, and starring Robert Downey Jr. in... I and it's just like a little thumbnail of him. As young as I thought, I I don't I don't think he exists younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's uh, that's what you have to look forward to. Yeah, any younger and he'd be Robert Downey Jr. Jr. That's true. And it's like a Russian nesting doll thing. Uh, Home for the Holidays, which is what Hawkeye can't be in the upcoming. <laughs> di- ever heard of Disney? Mm. We made it work. We made it work.